0: Hey friends, welcome to The Perfectionist Guide to Mothering. I'm your host, Andrea Fortenberry. This is a podcast about finding freedom from perfectionism to show up for the life God has for you. Mom life is messy, unpredictable, and just plain hard sometimes, but it's also amazing. I believe God uses it all to grow us into the women He wants us to be. We can't do motherhood on our own. We need God's help. We need wisdom from other moms. We need the encouragement of community. I hope you'll find all of that and more as you listen in. Welcome to the Perfectionist Guide to Mothering. Today I'm talking with Amy Debrick. Amy is a wife, mom of four, cancer survivor, and co-author of Embolden. She is the founder of the Life on Purpose movement and host of the Life on Purpose podcast, where she encourages women to live on purpose instead of fear. Amy loves entertaining with family and friends, A self-proclaimed beach junkie, health nut, and chocolate lover, she loves cooking, baking, attending her kids' sporting events, and getting in weekly HIIT workouts with her friend, Alice. Welcome, Amy. We're so, so excited to have you today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I love hearing about those fun things that you love chocolate. It's funny, last night I was over at my mom's and someone brought a box of C's chocolate. So we were having fun <laughs> eating. Yeah, it.
1: I mean, some things I just call it now it's like a joke. We call it like emergency chocolate. It's just like, you, know, you just have to, it's like having a band aid in the house.
0: <laughs> yes, and so I have a, a little stash in my drawer right here. <laughs> That's fun. And
1: I've carried that through to my daughters. I, I was laughing. She just recently, my oldest had a birthday recently. And when we were out visiting them, one of one of her friends was like, yeah, I was thinking of just getting her a bag of dark chocolate chips because that seems to be her go-to. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: <laughs> well, Amy, I'm excited to have you share about your book, which is called Embolden, and what inspired you to write it. So will you let us in on that behind the scenes? Yeah. Just how it came to be.
1: Yeah, so we, my do- my oldest daughter Blair and I co-wrote *Embolden*, and it really began through a lot of conversations that we were having from her experience as a sophomore in college, and she was finding herself in a lot of those same struggles and situations. I think that most young adults do between you know the ages of eighteen and twenty-one, sometimes even further than that. And so it really was birthed out of that. We wanted to create something. That would be a resource to meet women where they were, but not necessarily leave them there. I think a lot of times, especially as moms, and I'm really just kind of speaking um, to myself here. I think we are, are good listeners and like, and that's kind of what the approach I was first taking with her, but I wanted to do a little bit more than that. And so I wanted to set, some, set something up for her and other young women that would feel like they had a a place to go from there, almost like kind of a a launching pad of, okay, yes, we've all experienced this, but what can we do to really help not keep tripping up on these same things? And I think for her as a a young Christian, we were a little naive in the fact that her attending a Christian college, maybe she would avoid some of these things. I think sometimes you just don't. And, and it's just a range of personalities and and people and stages and and accountability for her age. And she says that now is that you have to make a choice at that point to kind of drop your immature faith of what your parents have set you up so far with, and really find out what you need to do independently to kind of move ahead. So you're not falling in those consistent, Pitfalls that are always there. I always say I, I don't expect perfection from my kids, but I do hope that they find themselves in a position where they feel accountable to not want to keep repeating those same things.
0: That's and good.
1: So that's really kind of where the book started. We had a good time doing it. And what was interesting, Andrea, is that once we started doing these and we picked out the four topics, I realized, you know, here I'm 50 that these topics really are relevant to to women of all ages and although we could relate on different in different areas and different specific situations they really don't age out so it was a, a learning experience and growing experience for both of us
0: yeah i i agree i think that a lot of the things that we struggle with we you know started a long time ago when we were girls or young women and that it maybe manifests itself differently in different seasons. And for me, like perfectionism, that's why I have this podcast, but that was something I, I, I didn't realize, I guess that I struggled with. I really thought it was like a virtue, but then later in motherhood, it came out like, Oh, this is a struggle. This is not a healthy thing. So I agree with that and that we, you know, have these things we struggle with. And so many of them are common to other women. And often I think, especially being young women, like in college age, you feel like you're the only one who struggles with it. Like everyone else is not struggling, and, and you are alone. So, I love that you and your daughter were able to have those conversations and then create this resource that's going to help other women. I think that's so awesome. Thank you.
1: And I think you're right. I think I'm glad you pointed that out. I do think, especially at that age, you do feel like you're the only one going through that. Even though every college age person you would talk to would say just the opposite. But I think depending on your personality, people present themselves in a different way and they can be coming off as the most confident as ever. And then inside, they might be feeling something different. And I think, you know, even now with social media, that's a piece I didn't have growing up. And I, which I feel like was to my benefit, right? not only- see it in your everyday, like on campus, but also behind the scenes at night and you're scrolling through and it's like, wow, I really don't have it together. When in fact, that's, that's just not true.
0: Right. Absolutely. I know I'm grateful as well that technically I am a millennial. I was like the first year <laughs> I, of, of being a millennial, but I feel like I really straddle being Gen X and millennial because like <laughs> Facebook came about, but I was already like graduated from college kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I'm grateful in a lot of ways, but we now have children that we're having to walk through sure. living in this different, you know, digital age with these different resources and social media that we didn't have. Yeah.
1: It's different, isn't it? I mean, for me, I'm really aging myself here. I can <laughs> just hang up my rotary phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, not so much. I mean, right. you know, you, there's so many opportunities too, I think, to just find little pockets of times, especially, I think, for young adults, or even I should say, all adults. In, you know, when you're at your most insecure moment and you're in, you're so tempted. And that's why we put temptation in there as one of our weeks to scroll through. But it's such a, it does such a disservice because it messes with, you know, really what's happening, but what we're perceiving things to actually be so yeah it is it is really unique and different in that way I mean I guess it's a good thing for older people to grow into that because if I just had to hang up that rotary phone and pick this up today like cold turkey with nothing (laughs) no basis with Facebook and all of that leading up to it I think it would be a lot harder
0: right yeah for sure
1: Amy, you are
0: the mom of sons and daughters. You have two of each. So I thought it would be fun to ask you about what are some of the differences that you have seen in raising daughters versus sons? And could you share some practical things specifically about raising daughters that would be helpful for listeners?
1: Sure. Well, I always say all of four of my kids have completely different personalities, but there is something to be said for just the son and daughter dynamic and how you approach them. And I think more so than just male, female with the obvious, you know, what that looks like. I think it's a matter of kind of just taking your child for, and approaching them in their own unique manner. Mm-hmm. You know, my one son is super shy and quiet. He was very insecure growing up. That was just his personality because he was so shy. And for him, for, for me to be as loud because I'm Italian, as loud as I just normally am, I would have to tone that down for him. It would mm-hmm. be a little bit more overwhelming where mm-hmm. maybe my other son who was more outgoing and very social and more of, you know, like my personality in that regard, he could handle a different approach, but he's very sensitive. So it was just very unique to the individual in general. Mm-hmm. But I do think with, um, I do think with daughters, for me, obviously, being a woman, it's a little bit easier to try to connect, especially with, obviously, just more so than just the female relation, but even biblically, you know, because I'm, you're taking it from a female perspective, where I think it was a little bit more challenging, but I think in a good way to really lay out how their faith would look as young men Mm -hmm. going into adulthood and what the expectation I felt as a woman really would be. So I think that there are a lot of pros to that. I think at first it can feel almost a little scary, but I think it was nice for them to be able, or nice for me anyway, to be able to say, well, this is your role as you grow up and, and mm-hmm. how you approach women and the respect that you you give them. And the same I did with my daughters, you know, it, it wasn't just a matter of you be you, it was also, you have to be accountable for you and what you're putting out there for what you're attracting back and all of that. And I wanted that same dynamic to happen with my boys. And so I do think the approach is just different, like I said, based off of personality, but not so different, I don't think, based off of the message. I think the biggest thing is to um, not get hung up and not do it. I think Mm -hmm. that you'll be pleasantly surprised with the approach and it's going to look different. You know, for girls, it's easy. You know, my girls were... Even my oldest, who's a little bit more introverted, you know, they used to tell me everything, you know, about this person, that person, yeah. you know, they get in the car and you're kind of like, like, I could use five minutes. Of <laughs> quiet. Going, the boys get in the car and it's like, you know, you're asking questions. It's one word answers. So yeah. I think the, other, the biggest thing for me is to, is to take advantage of the moments when they come, you know, for your son, it could be a one-on-one conversation to, to Duncan or, back riding back from a, a sports event where you know maybe they're kind of on that little bit of a high and they're having are a little more chatty than normal. Like those are the times I feel like you really kind of have to to just seek out and really take advantage of. Right. I love what you said about
0: the personality differences. And for me, I was surprised, I guess I, I made lots of assumptions going into motherhood. And I think one <laughs> of the the ones I made was that, oh, I have a daughter. She's going to be just like me. But she is very strong-willed and confident and just very different from me. And so At first, I was very puzzled by this, but I'm like, okay, Lord, I get that you paired us up on purpose so that I can teach her things, she can teach me things. And then my son is, he's more like me, just kind of calm, passive, that kind of thing. I love both. I love the dynamics and a lot of it's trial and error with, like you're saying, one child, this will work, the other one, it doesn't work. But I just love how God creates these special relationships that we have between all the members of, of our family.
1: I think it really sharpens us as parents because, I mean, you, like every other parent in America, we have certain expectations. (laughs) And and my youngest is more like my personality. When I was growing up, my oldest, complete opposite, strong-willed, it's it's kind of a running joke. They're the bookends. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But they balance each other well. Blair um, has been a great oldest sibling. She takes that role, you know, very seriously and sometimes too seriously, her brothers would say. But, but I do think it helps us as parents because it it softens me a little bit in spots where maybe I was too hard or sharpened me where I was maybe too soft. I think that's the one great thing about it. That's why I say, it, even if it feels scary or it's a complete mess, the first however many times you tried to have a conversation that you feel like is important, just keep doing it because there's going to be that one conversation that you're going to be like, gosh, that was really good. You know what I mean? I, I I think we're both kind of getting it because they're learning to share just like you're learning to ask and getting it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's so good. Let's dive in a little deeper about embolden and about some things specifically that daughters struggle with that you and Blair wrote about in the book. And as moms, how can we walk through these struggles with our daughters? Hmm.
1: Well Blair and I both have one similar thing that we're both a little bit introverted. Mm-hmm. I think when you are somebody who struggles with that on top of just the normal insecurities that everybody faces at certain ages, I think it can be a little bit cha- more challenging in the sense that you're not as able you are able but you don't feel you don't have the confidence to get you maybe in those groups that could not keep you in a place that um, is keeping you stagnant. And so it's really important for she and I, it's obviously easier for me now because I'm older and the more you do it, the easier it becomes, right. um, to put ourselves in situations that feel hard. And I know those are the sticking points for us, for sure. It's easier to stay in right. and <laughs> <ourselves>. <laughs> so important when we get out of our comfort zone. So for she and I, it's one of those things. And and I always say this, because I, I think some things when you are introverted, can seem overlooked and almost insignificant. Mm-hmm. But for that personality, it's really not. So it could be something as basic as taking yourself to, to lunch or going somewhere or signing up, to a, a class that you've been wanting to do, but not bringing a friend with you and just being that only person. And it's it's so painfully awkward and all of that. But right. when you do it, it and, and I always say, even if you do it and you hated the whole experience, <laughs> you did something really positive for yourself. You emboldened right. yourself to know I can do hard things. I can do things out of my comfort zone. And it's just going to help for that next thing that may be more significant in life. And it could be, Parenting, it could be who you are, you know, the people that you're surrounding yourself with for a future husband or wife. Or so it it does mean something, but I think it's just a matter of getting over that hump and it can be really challenging to do. So for she and I, that's a specific one, I think, but I think there's a lot of insecurities, Mm -hmm. as you know, and I think even in adulthood, and, and we were very intentional about the four weeks with you know, fearless and growth and temptation and kindness, because I think those are all things that we struggle with, whether you're an introvert or extrovert. And right. I think sometimes when you're going through the motion, you almost don't even realize it's a sticking point for you. You know, like we were talking earlier about social media. Well, you know, sometimes if you have a minute to reflect on, okay, well, what is maybe holding me back in this area? What am I spending spending, the majority of my free time on, or as opposed to what could I be doing for myself to really, you know what I mean? And so right. I kind of wanted to make sure that people could take that time to pause outside of those other influences and really kind of focus inward and say, okay, where can I go from here? Yeah.
0: I think we are just so hard, hardwired for comfort, right? Like we, we just want to do what's comfortable. It's hard to get out of our bubble or out of our shell, whatever that looks like, whether we're introverted or extroverted, like you're saying, like maybe for an introvert, it's like going to talk to someone or inviting someone to do something, but for an extrovert who's always around people, maybe that's actually being open and honest about something going on in your life instead of just trying to have fun and, and keep things surface level. So I think yeah, it applies either way. We we just need to get out of our out of our comfort zones. And I love these four areas that you talk about in the book because they are things that no matter what our personality is like, we we will struggle. And it's good to stop and reflect and think about what's the what's the best thing for me versus staying where I am? What's that brave step that would take me to growth in whatever area of life that that we want to grow in? Right.
1: Well, that's why we actually, in the back, when we get to growth, we make a couple of lists. We give some prompting questions to ask yourself, but it's really what you're answering is is going to be the factor on on what you're going to do with that. But you're right. I mean, we are such a culture and I feel like more than ever of being comfortable. I mean, now people right. are wearing pajamas to school. Like <laughs> right. were like, I'm like, what? Like that's so <laughs> unheard of, but everything I always tell my kids, they're like, It's like everything needs to feel like a snuggie. I'm like, (laughs) we wear jeans. My kids are still like, I can't believe you wear jeans all the time. You never. And I'm like, that is my comfort. That is my comfort zone. I don't know. Like, (laughs) for everybody else, it's just it is. There is something. I think it's really even gone more so in that way. And and although we're talking about clothing and all of that, I think it's really kind of stretched beyond that.
0: Right. And I think, especially post COVID, while we're in COVID, whatever we're talking about, like just right. of comfort, like we don't have to leave our homes to get groceries or food or whatever. Like we can just stay in what feels comfortable, but yeah. maybe is not the best thing for us. To Absolutely. Just be isolated. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. We need people. I think fellowship and community is so important. And, you know, I mean, who are we kidding? Like me having to order my growth. I mean, all of that for an introvert, it's been a dream. (laughs) Right. You know, but has it been the best? Absolutely not. It it, it absolutely not has been. I need to get out, see people, be in community. And I think you said something else that I I think is really important. And and that's for the extrovert is being a little bit more vulnerable Mm -hmm. and, you know, than just transparent. I mean, you can kind of like sh- scratch the surface a little bit, but it is nice to be in a relationship or a community of women or men or whoever you're with that can actually go, go a little bit deeper. Right.
0: Yeah, and I think we all long for that. Again, it's just what is it going to take for us to to step out and to achieve what we want? We have to be vulnerable. We have to be be brave and and step out and do those things. Yeah, definitely. Amy, what are some ways that we can build our daughters up, give them love and encouragement that they will feel and receive?
1: Hmm. I think the biggest thing that has affected my relationship in a positive way with my girls is that has been being honest. I think that it's hard to connect. At least it was for me to just always try to teach them about something without sharing an experience. And I don't mean we need to air every piece of dirty laundry because I don't think they want that either. Right. But in general, I think there's something to be said for being honest, like we were just kind of talking about in a way that they can relate and understand and, and actually recognize she really does understand, you know, because you're sharing an actual experience. I think that's probably been one of the best things for my daughters and I is to be able to, and my husband has kind of done that with our sons as well, you know, is to just really be honest. Let them see that we're not perfect either. It's hard because you, you don't want to give them a free pass, right? It's right. Like, well, I did this. So and but don't do it. But right. I think it's a manner of how you're delivering it, your vulnerability in that experience, how it made you feel your regrets on that, or, you know, or just the opposite, then I think they'll appreciate that much more than just saying, don't do this. And, and let that be the BLN though.
0: Right. I think it's hard when we do have this image that our parents are these perfect people. And then later to have that realization of, oh, wow. But if we just make it a normal, kind of thing. And like you're saying, not that we're going to encourage them by any means to like, go make these mistakes I made, but to just share in the way you're saying, and I feel like I'm approaching these years with my daughter of, you know, these were struggles I had, these were mistakes I made. And here's why I hope you don't make them versus just, instead of just being like, don't do that, don't do that. It's not going to be good for you, but just explaining a little more of the why. And I think we just have to trust God with with our kids, and and know that they're going to make their own mistakes that maybe are the same or or different from us, but he he's going to be there with us no matter what happens.
1: Well, I think that's a big thing. And you were saying your crutch was the perfectionism. Mine was being a control freak. That definitely trickles into parenting as well. Yeah. But the thing about that is, and this is the growth that I've experienced as a parent is the trust piece with God. I mean, at some point. You just have to relinquish control. You do what you're supposed to do. This is the job that I signed up for. I, I love everything about it. It's hard. It's exhausting. But at some point, I just need to let go and let God take over. My kids know that. We're very honest about that. And we do say, if you do make a bad choice, which you will, you know, hopefully not monumental. It doesn't always have to be some major thing. Right you have to be accountable, but God is there and he will forgive you. And you have to move on. Don't get stuck on those things. But yeah, the trust I think is a big thing, not just for the child, but the parent, at least it was for me.
0: Yeah. And, and you're right. I think perfectionism and control are like twins, right? So I think most perfectionists (laughs) also struggle with control or that's why perfectionism is like our go-to thing. And yeah, like we just want to have predictable outcomes and to do all, but life isn't that way. We have to walk by faith with, with everything, not just with parenting.
1: Right. But I know, isn't that such a bummer? (laughs) I know. It's so hard. It's like, oh, if if only. I can't have the answer in advance. (laughs) I mean, I know exactly how I would like to have this play out, but no, it is. I mean, and I, I mean, I, God knows exactly what he's doing, especially with my personality. And he knows that If I, if he gave me an inch, I would take a mile. So (laughs) I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to call it and let you just have it because I'm not able to rein it in. Right. And I
0: think at least for me, I feel like I'm able to enjoy parenting more when I'm not holding so tight and trying to control every move and every hour of our day and our schedule. Like Having a more flexible, open-handed approach to just our life in general has been helpful. It's not always easy. And I do find times where I'm holding those reins, but it's like, let go, let go. And I I just feel like I'm a more peaceful person when I'm in that place.
1: (laughs) For sure. I totally agree with you because I think you are allowing... God in those moments in, in saying, okay, whatever it's going to be, I know you've got this covered. There is something, and I'm, I'm wondering what your thought is on this, but to me, I feel like there's nothing more freeing as a parent to know I can only do so much. I mean, it's such a huge burden. I felt like when my kids were younger and I was going through a lot of stuff and before my cancer diagnosis, it's such a burden on parents to be the everything. And Mm -hmm. it was such a a huge relief and just like freedom to know that and admit and finally surrender that I can't and I'm not, and he is. I think you're right. I think once you can kind of shift your perspective and live that way, you can't help but live a little bit more peaceful, more joyful because you are allowing things to happen and you're not just going through the motion, you know, for years with, with my anxiety and all of that. I just went through the motions and you miss a lot of moments Mm -hmm. with your family because you are so worried about the next thing or the outcome or whatever that you miss it. So I agree with you. I think there's so much joy, so much more peace when you can just ease up a little bit, but it's a It's a daily commitment. You know, I get up every day and I have to surrender. It's not a one and done for me anyway, for sure.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Every day it's a, it's a practice. (laughs)
1: It's something that we're not always going to get right, but we can,
0: we can practice and try. So Amy, one, one other question I had for you, and it's really related to what we were just talking about. How can we as moms better care for our daughters and our sons, but by caring for ourselves, I think we sometimes feel like I have to devote everything to the kids, like everything for them. But I think that really does both us and our kids a disservice when we do that.
1: I definitely think that it's hard to to not do that. I think as moms, that's just a natural tendency to to give everything you've got. I don't think it's healthy though. And I've I've been on both ends of it where I've done really well, you know, balancing and putting my self-care first because it is a important to not pour from an empty cup. And I also think it's good for your kids to see that you have the same value for yourself as that you do for them. You know, it, it's easy if your child is sick and to get all everything ready and get the soup and have them rest and get their vitamins or whatever it is. And then when it's you, I think it's important for them to see that she also thinks it's important for her to stay well and, and to be healthy and to stay fit and whatever it is that she needs to do. I mean, most of my exercising is for mental clarity, really. I mean, mm-hmm. I need it for everything else because I'm old now, Andrea, Black. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, it's, it's more for my mental health. You know, I, I'm a better mother when I'm staying on top of my self-care I'm a better um, wife. I'm just, I'm more calm. I'm not as edgy. So there's a lot of things to that. And I think they can tell, and I think they can see it for sure. And it's really important, I think, for them to know that your self-care is just as important as their self-care. And it's nothing to take away from them. It's not like I'm going on a spa retreat for weeks on end and leaving them. But I think the daily stuff is really important.
0: Yeah. And one thing I, I think I talked with Allie Worthington about on the podcast, I was saying something about when I do these things, I want to model for my daughter that when she grows up and is a wife and a mom, that these things are things she has permission to do, like care for herself and that she will look back like, oh, my mom took care of herself. Like I want to do that. And then Ali said something about, you know, but you also want your boys to see that so that your boys have a realistic picture of what their wife should be doing, because we take those expectations with us, how we were raised. And so just thinking about for our daughters and our sons, like, how can we set a good example of what caring for ourselves looks like? Because it benefits our whole family.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's it's going to eventually transfer on how they take care of themselves and their families. Like you said, sons and daughters, it's easier, I think, for the daughters to pick up on it, I know my daughter right now living with two of her brothers is (laughs) wishing I was there at times to, you know, it's kind of forcing them to have to step up. She may be the one initiating and reminding, but it's good for them as well. It's good for them to, to know what they should be doing for themselves and other people, but it does matter. I do think it matters. I'm a, a really an advocate for self-care for women. I think when people think self-care, I think the reason sometimes that's kind of turned off is because it feels like it's some sophisticated, you know, elaborate, I'm abandoning my children to, you know, whatever, right. and that's not it. It's just a, a matter of getting up, doing what you need to do for your own physical and mental health, and then going about your day you know, whatever that looks like.
0: Right. So listeners, you have permission
1: from us to go care for yourself. Well, because
0: you're caring for your family too, in that way. Absolutely. So Amy, at the end of every episode, I like to ask some fun questions. So let's dive into those. The first one is what are you reading, watching, or listening to these days? Hmm.
1: Well, I just finished listening to Alisa Whittle's The Hard Good. And that is just, I cannot recommend that book enough. I I, could, I'm partially
0: through it. I haven't finished it yet, but yeah, it is a good one.
1: I could re-listen to that book for the rest of my life. It's that good. So oh, wow. I i highly recommend that.
0: Awesome. I'll definitely link that for you listeners so you can find it easily. And then. Next question is, what is a favorite product, service, or practice that makes your life easier?
1: Hmm. I'd probably say favorite product right now is the Elemis. It's like a a rose balm. It's like a facial cleanser. Okay. And I have 50-year-old skin, but my skin is just naturally dry. And that has been like a game changer for me. I love it. I'm addicted to it. I don't move anywhere without it now. Awesome. Where do you buy this? I actually, you can get it right on Elemis's site. Okay. I think Estee Lauder bought the company,
0: okay. but, um,
1: but I think you can also get it on like everything else on Amazon.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I will yeah. find that and link it as well. And then next question, we've already talked a little bit about this, but what is your best soul or self-care tip for moms?
1: I probably would say two things. One for me is walking. I drop my daughter off in the morning and I walk for an hour just for mental health. And then I always try to start my day with some type of scripture, just either whether it's a devotional right now that my daughters and I are doing the advent from She Reads Truth. Okay. doing it every day, but just something to start my day and something to kind of end it. But, you know, those are my self and soul care practices.
0: I love that. Just, yeah, these little rituals that we do for ourselves can be just so beneficial. Yes, definitely. And then next question is, what is God teaching you in this season of life? Hmm.
1: That's interesting. With three of my kids gone, I think he's teaching me patience, which is probably a lesson he's been teaching me for the last 50 years, but I'm feeling it the most right now. And again, I think it has to do with relinquishing the control, having three of the four, not only not here, but on a different coast is difficult at times, but I know he's got it covered. And so those are things that I constantly need to be sharpened with is just trust and patience.
0: Yeah, I think
1: like you're saying, it's lifelong journey for those
0: things. I don't know that we'll ever arrive at perfection <laughs> with those things, but yeah, that's, right. that's good. Well, Amy, this has been so fun. Thank you for sharing about just your wisdom, raising daughters and sons. And I would love for
1: people to find you online. So where can they connect with you? Where can they find Embolden? Well, they can connect with me on my website at com. And if you can't spell my last name, you can also go to amy at surrenderyourfear.com. And that will just link right over. There's free resources on there. There's a confidence course on there that I created. You can purchase the book there, but you can also purchase that really where any books are sold. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, um, I think Target, Books A Million, any of those places. So yeah, I would love that. Yeah, and I'll be sure
0: to link all of the places where listeners can find you and follow you online. And just thanks so much for your time, Amy, and for sharing with us today. Thank you as we go i want to remind you that you're doing an amazing job as a mom no you're not perfect none of us are there's no such thing but you're showing up you're learning from your mistakes and you've got god on your side he fills in the gaps of our imperfections and we can trust him keep going, my friends. You are doing good and meaningful work. I'll
1: see you next time.